0: Welcome to Tales She Told Me, a podcast featuring ordinary women who have overcome and done extraordinary things. I'm your host, Farah Haydar. Joining me today is Leah Marie Maser. Leah lost both of her parents by the time she was 21. Not wanting to be alone, she would go through two do- divorces by the time she was 36. Deciding to change her life, Leah has since rebuilt her confidence. She is now a certified divorce recovery coach for women and founder of Mindfully Ready LLC. She specializes in helping women navigate the mental and emotional side of divorce so they can heal faster and move forward with confidence. So Leah, thank you for being on the show today. I appreciate it. Um, First, I'm very, very sorry for your loss. I know it might have been a while ago, but still, I'm sure it stays with you. Um, And I would really love to start at the beginning. Like what happened to your parents? Mm
1: -hmm. So when I was 16, uh, my mother actually had an asthma attack in our home uh, and died. And she was only 41 years old. So it was extremely unexpected, very traumatic. And uh, that took a really turned my whole world upside down. And then only five years later, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and then passed away six months after that. So by 21, you know, I'm an only child by 21 years old, parents were gone. It was me kind of alone in the world trying to figure out how everything worked. And I made a lot of mistakes. I learned a lot of things the hard way. And I, I didn't know it at the time, but those losses had deep, deep seated abandonment issues, you know, on me. And so my coping mechanism essentially was becoming a serial monogamist. I was just hopping from one relationship to the next. I did that for years because those were like the buoys that kept me afloat. I felt like if I wasn't in a relationship, I I was so alone and I just needed stability. I was I was so craving love from from someone. And so I did that for a really long time and it wasn't until my second divorce that it was my wake-up call, essentially, where I where I said, okay, obviously I'm caught in some kind of pattern here that is not serving me. I don't want to have to keep going through this. I don't want to keep putting my daughter through this. I really have to figure out what's going on and get myself to a place where I feel confident on my own and I can just stand on my own two feet and stop feeling like I need relationships to fill any of these voids. And so I did all the things, all the healing things at that point.
0: So let's, there's a lot to unpack in what you yeah. just said. All right. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, there's some <laughs> years, years to unpack. Yeah. But I- I'm curious: like, did you see yourself a pattern, a specific type of person, for example, or was it just whoever?
1: For myself, well, I didn't really do any Mm self-reflection until my second divorce. And so at that point, that's when I could kind of look back and see things more objectively and understand maybe where the root of why I felt the way I felt, why I was so afraid of being alone, when, when that started, where did that come from, and how that was kind of manifesting in different ways in my life. And that's when I could kind of see things more clearly and understand why I was making the choices that I was making, which then empowered me to be able to make better choices.
0: So you um, obviously have a daughter. Mm-hmm. So how old was your daughter at the at the end of your second marriage?
1: After the second marriage, I believe she was about six or seven.
0: Okay. So still so just getting there, getting to that like awareness where you're thinking, oh my God, she's going to be watching me now, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think that becoming a mother played a role in your aha moment? Um,
1: I think I think it was part of it. I I'm trying to think, if I didn't have her, I probably still would have gotten to a point where I was where like enough is enough. I mean, if, if I've already gone through two divorces, what is going on and how can I avoid getting in this mm-hmm. situation again? But it did play a role because she was affected, not just what she was seeing me go through, but we had to move again. You know, we had to pack up our things and move into a new home. And she got a new bedroom and she wasn't seeing this person she was seeing anymore. And, and so it was uh, impacting her stability as well. And so I knew that for the both of us, I really needed to figure out how to get stabilized. And, and for a long time, even, even before I had her, I had moved so many times. I mean, I'll tell I'll share with you right now. I'm, I'm 40 years old. Mm-hmm. The address that I live in today is my 44th address since I've been wow. born. I did so much moving. And a lot of that was after my parents because I was just so lost. I was just on this journey of like, where, how do I find happiness? How do I, you know, well, this isn't working for me. I'm going to go move here. or I'm going to try this job and I'm going to go do this. And I spent so much time searching until I realized that everything was really in me. I needed to be the one to do the work and to give myself that love and, and stability to to feel the way that I wanted to feel.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's go back to your aha moment for a moment. <laughs> um, you know, so you're at the second, was it just like, was it a snap or was it a slow burn kind of aha moment? How? Come
1: yeah, it was kind of, it was... So there was one evening where I remember I fell to my knees crying in my bedroom because I realized I needed to get divorced again. I realized that things were just not going to get better and this was not a situation that was good for my for me or my daughter. And so that was my aha moment when I realized I needed to get divorced. And then within that next, I would say 6 months is when I did a lot of self-reflection. I got really into meditation. I was journaling. I was just doing things I had never really committed to doing before. And I learned a lot about myself. And that's when I started to unearth the reasons why I was doing what I was doing or finding myself in these situations. So that, that self-awareness piece, that was more of a slow burn. The realizing I needed to get divorced was kind of just like a Straw that broke the camel's back
0: situation. Oh, man. So, <clears throat> in that straw that broke the camel's back, was it something that you think, if you had been maybe more aware, like the self awareness work, you don't think could have repaired the relationship?
1: I think if I had
0: done self awareness work after my first divorce,
1: I never would have even married that person. I married that person for the wrong reasons. I, my self-esteem was down the toilet. I didn't, I hadn't done any healing. I didn't know what I want. All I knew was I was afraid of being alone. And I was afraid that I would never find someone who would love me and mm-hmm. and would take, take on my baggage, right? Oh, I'm divorced. I have this daughter who's going to want to deal with me. That was my mentality. And so when I found someone who was willing to take me on, I thought, well, how many more chances am I going to get? I'm only getting older.
0: Yeah. Okay. So now you've, you're going through this self reflection period. What What was it that kind of hit you? Obviously, you know, you figured out the self, the abandonment stuff. Was there anything mm-hmm. in particular though that really stood out for you? Mm-hmm.
1: My self esteem. I, I just had no self confidence, no self esteem. I was my inner dialogue was awful, yeah. and I needed to strengthened the relationship that I had with myself so that I felt better. I was I spent years looking for those external validations, right for the outside to tell me that I was enough. And so understanding that that's what was happening, it led me to learning how to to do that for myself.
0: Mm-hmm. So okay, so you're, you're getting divorced, you come to this realization, what do you do? Like Mm -hmm. how do you, how do you fix this? Right.
1: It's a lot. Yeah. So there's a couple of things. The first thing that, well, like I said, I I started meditation and I know that that's not for everyone. And sometimes, you know, you people hear that and they get really intimidated, Mm -hmm. but it, it really is a simple thing to do. And it's a practice. And the more you do it, the more you can cultivate that self-awareness. And that is why I love it so much is because if you're not even aware of those conversations that are going on in your mind, then you don't have the control to be able to make any changes. So when I started doing the meditation and becoming more self-aware, I was able to observe what was going on and how kind of toxic those conversations were that I was having with myself. And then once I noticed that was going on, then I really started using affirmations and mantras. Because if you're somebody who deals with low self-esteem, you're already using affirmations. They're just ones that make you feel bad about yourself. They're ones that don't feel good. So you just need to use new ones enough until those become your new beliefs. And so I started using affirmations to essentially be my own cheerleader and like pump myself up until I started believing the things that I was saying. Because at first it almost feels like you're just lying out loud. You're just saying these things you don't believe yet. But the more you do it, it, it becomes a belief, repeated thoughts becomes belief. So, and then it changes the way you feel. So that was another thing. And then the third thing, and I always tell my clients this is finding a creative outlet or a hobby, because when you're going through something like that, a big chunk of that healing process is also like, who am I right? It's the finding yourself part of things. And so when you find creative outlets and hobbies, you're going to learn about yourself, but it's also going to find, give you fulfillment and it's going to build your confidence. It, so one of the things that I did after my, uh, as my marriage was kind of crumbling, I decided that I was going to join a band because I had always loved to sing, uh, but I was kind of a closeted singer. It was something that I, I kind of did just for myself. I wasn't uh, performing in front of people. But I said, you know what? Like this new chapter, I'm going to start doing things differently. And so I looked up a a local band and they were looking for a lead vocalist. And so I drove to the audition and I was just sweating and shaking. And I was so nervous because it was so outside of my comfort zone. But I told myself, no matter what happens, I am just proud of myself for even showing up because this this is something that I would never usually do. So I showed up. I did the audition, I did the best I could. And I I actually, I ended up getting the part. And so then I was in a band and I was singing and it's something that gave me so much confidence and fulfillment. It's something I look forward to, something that was just for me, I was excited about, and it opens up the opportunity to meet like-minded people. And so f- challenging yourself to try all kinds of different things until you find the things that you enjoy, that light you up, that excite you, those things are going to build your confidence because the more you do them, the better you get. and then you, you Feel proud of yourself for those accomplishments.
0: Yeah, I was actually going to bring up to you. You know, I, I I've heard a lot about affirmations. I I like you. I was like you. You do them, and you feel like you're lying to yourself. And I've I've always been a big proponent of actually going out and doing hard stuff, like mm-hmm. going out and running. Like I did a half marathon last year. I'm not a runner. I've never been. I'm not an athlete. Like all those kind of things. And I just went and did it. And it really, um, encouraged me actually to do other things. So I agree. I think the hobby and affirmation duo works, Mm -hmm. you know, because the action, you know, then it becomes undeniable. Your brain believes it. Yes. Yeah. Would you mind sharing like a couple of the affirmations that you used or are they too Mm. personal?
1: No, that wouldn't be too personal. I I honestly don't know if I could even remember specifically, but there are so many. I mean, the ones that I that I like even reading now are: um, "I am worthy of happiness." I am worthy of happiness. I am. I deserve love and respect. Um, Good things are coming. Things are always working out for me, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's it's deciding to change that narrative. Because if you're, if you're somebody who feels like you're not good enough, or someone told you, you weren't good enough, or you're never going to be happy, or you'll never survive without me, right? These kind of negative things that we hear from people if you hold on to that and that becomes your belief, you're not going to feel really great about yourself. So when, so when you use affirmations that resonate with you or that are kind of specifically designed for whatever, wherever you're stuck, because there are thousands and thousands of affirmations, you find the ones that speak to you and then you say them every single day. And whether that is speaking them out loud, whether that's putting a post-it note on your mirror to remind yourself when you're getting ready in the morning, whether you're sitting down at night and you have a little you know, journal by your bed, you can write the affirmations out, whatever you need to do, as long as it's repetitive, it essentially will become a new belief of yours.
0: Okay. Again, no, I agree. I definitely think that's, that's the thing. So let's talk up a little bit about your journey, right? In terms of rediscovering, discovering these abandoned issues, learning to really, I guess, fall in love with yourself. Is is that a good way to put it? Mm -hmm, Um, And your life. Um, How did you... Like, I, I guess for me, it's like, okay, you did these, these pr- daily practices, and they helped, right? Did you ever discover anything about yourself? Where you're like, I don't really like it. But I'm going to accept it.
1: <laughs> mm, sure, all kinds of things. My, the, the fact that I had these abandonment issues, and that I was, cho- I was marrying people out of fear of being alone. That was my truth. That is an ugly, scary thing to face when that's something that you didn't realize was going on. Um, And so, but you have to be able to accept yourself and forgive yourself for mistakes. That's a, that's the thing is we, we learn from doing and failing. You know, a lot of our wisdom comes from the things that don't work out and then we try it again. And so I had to forgive myself. I had to accept who I was the person who had abandonment issues was afraid of being alone had no self esteem didn't know how to love myself I had to accept that that's who I was and forgive myself for my mistakes and then work towards being the person that I wanted to be
0: so when did you know that it was working right like Mm -hmm. when did you what was there a moment where you were like oh it's different now I'm Mm -hmm. different now
1: Yes. When I started dating again and I realized that I was showing up as a completely different person. I, it was, it was no longer, am I good enough for you? Are you going to like me? It was, are you going to add value to my life? Do you have what I'm looking for? I wasn't attached to any outcome. Mm-hmm. Because I, I liked my life. I got myself to a place where things felt good for me. And so if it worked out, bonus. But if it didn't, it didn't matter. Because I was okay on my own. And that was, my, that was a big moment for me.
0: And was it hard to jump back into the dating scene? No, because
1: I got myself to a place where it didn't matter. I got myself to a place where it was just extra you know, I didn't need it to work out. I didn't need a relationship anymore to make me feel whole or happy or fulfilled or enough. I did learn to do that for myself. And so dating again was just something, it was like an extracurricular activity. It was just fun. It was just meeting people. It was just going out. And if there was something there, great.
0: And did, how, how successful were you? If I may ask.
1: I was, I met my soulmate. I'm, I'm married to the love of my life.
0: Oh, Congratulations! Very, Thank you. Very good. I always love hearing that. And how? But you know, if you could compare your relationship with your soulmate, this mm-hmm. new person, um, with what how your relationships were previously, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. How, which I have. <laughs> yeah. How do you like? Tell us a little bit about the differences. Like, what are the healthy mm-hmm. things you're looking for?
1: Well, that the thing that's important is that we were both happy whole people first. We were both in a in a position where we didn't need a relationship to make us happy. I had done my inner work. I had gone to therapy for the things I needed to go to therapy for. He had done his inner work. He's somebody who meditates every morning. He's self-aware. He, you know, he does. And so I'm with someone who now we we know that we are our own responsibility. My happiness, that's not his job and vice versa. And we know that. And we also, one thing that I noticed, this, and this is different from every relationship that I've, that I've been in, not even just the two marriages, but the way that we disagree, we can just talk. We can just have a conversation about what we don't agree on. And we want to hear what the other person has to say. We want to respect the other person's feelings. There's no yelling. There's no name calling. There's no door slamming. There's no throwing things across the room. There's no silent treatments. We can just be respectful and um, we can have conversations that are difficult, but in a way that is not difficult.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, I have a theory about that, and I just love to to tell you about it. I think when um, most of the love that we are shown in media and whatnot is usually about um, being one with another person, right? Like you're one, you're a unit. It's all the we, 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 and it's almost as if the individual dissolves and i've learned i've been married for 20 years by the way i've learned that that really doesn't work <laughs> it doesn't you it, it's 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 just like then it becomes everything they do is a reflection of you which is why people start getting so angry at their spouse for disagreeing with them right because it's it's not about oh i'm disagreeing like some somebody i love has a different viewpoint of me than me it's it's this person is pushing that viewpoint on us, on me. And it becomes so personal rather Mm -hmm. than it being two people who are choosing to live their lives together. And they're, they're separate Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there's a respect and a boundary there. Right. Um, I don't know. I, that's just my, my couple of thoughts, maybe Mm -hmm. not fully fleshed out yet. But um, Yeah, I agree. I mean,
1: think about even um, the uh, Disney movies we grew up with. The prince is always saving the princess. The princess needs to find her love. Or uh, Jerry Maguire, right? You complete me. You remember that? You know, it it is. It's a really toxic message because it's not true. And it, it essentially is telling people that until they find their other half, They are not complete. And that just is not the case. You can get yourself to a place where you feel whole and fulfilled. And even when you do find uh, your person, you're still always responsible for yourself. And so you have to understand that and hold yourself accountable for those things and not expect your partner to be doing that. Because if you do, that also causes a lot of disappointment or resentment.
0: Yeah. And they're expected to know a lot that they have no way to know, right? Like Mm -hmm. what makes you happy, et cetera. And, and we all change as we, Mm -hmm. you know, through the years. So, um, you're obviously a divorce recovery coach. Mm -hmm. All right. Is there anything you advise your clients on prior to entering a new relationship?
1: Yes. Making sure that they took the time to heal. And, you know, everybody wants to know the formula for that. How long do I need to wait between this relationship and the new relationship? Right. And unfortunately there is not a formula. Everybody's different. So it's just making sure that you understand your intentions. What is the why behind wanting a relationship? Is it because you're lonely or you're sad or you don't know what to do with yourself when your kids aren't aren't home or your self-esteem is, you know, down the toilet and you need a boost. It, it, those aren't great reasons. That, that's not going to build a, a healthy foundation for a long-term relationship. So as long as you can get really honest with yourself about your intentions, the why behind wanting to start a relationship, I think that that's a really important thing to do and making sure that you're at a place where you don't feel like you need one. Wanting one is fine, but feeling like you need one or you won't be happy that's kind of where some red flags
0: come up. Did you ever feel at some point that you kind of relapsed, for lack of a better word, where you went back into old habits? Not after my second
1: divorce. Never. Yeah. I never looked back. No. But a, a lot of it was because of how much work I put into it. That's the thing. I mean, I, I really, I became a different person. I, and I still, to this day, I meditate almost every single day. I invest in myself. I make sure that I take the time to, to still cultivate that self-awareness because this never ends. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no journey that, you know, you wake up one day and you're like, I'm good. I'm, I'm done. I got to the top. It's you're always evolving. You're always learning about yourself, and so I continue to do the work. And I, you know, my eyes are are ahead. I I didn't
0: look back. Eyes on the prize, right? Yeah. (laughs) Which actually um, brings me. So, if you could go back and tell your younger self anything, Mm -hmm. let's just say, what would you tell her?
1: I would tell her to figure out a way to make herself happy and that she, a relationship does not equal happiness.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. So now I have this question that I always ask um, all of my listeners and it's a very simple one. It's what is a weird habit or ritual you have that makes your life joyful?
1: I, Have to eat chocolate after dinner every day. I buy, buy, yeah, this buy, buy a bar of dark chocolate every week at the grocery store. I keep it in the fridge and every day after dinner, I like, I have to take a piece of it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's probably, that's, I'm gonna, you know what, that's gonna rank on one of my top ones because, um, (laughs) I think that's actually really healthy. As long as it's good chocolate, why not? Yes, dark
1: chocolate, you know?
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Leah, it was a pleasure having you. And if you'd like to hear more from Leah out there, you can check out her website at mindfullyready.com where she's offering a free empowerment guide and training video. All links in the show notes below. As always, I'd love to hear from you about this episode. What is your greatest fear? Hit me up on Instagram or Facebook at Farah Hadar. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you'll get notified when a next episode is available. Also, I'm giving away a PDF of some of the best quotes we've had on the show, like I eat chocolate every night, (laughs) beautifully designed to print and journal your thoughts. Email me at farah at farahadar.com and title it quotes. Talk to you soon. Till then, chase your happy.